0: damn what is up internet friend welcome to walking and talking this is ben bennett what follows is the audio version of walking and talking which was originally recorded as a video i'm transferring all of the series onto this podcast format because i think that this is a more flexible way to engage with this content i like the idea of this audio accompanying you with your own visual field wherever you happen to be and whatever you happen to be doing rather than tempting you to stare at a screen for hours on end. In some of these back episodes, you may hear some mic handling and wind noise, but the audio quality generally improves as the series progresses. Publishing, walking, and talking as a podcast does take additional time and money spent on my end, so if you appreciate this show and its ad-free status please consider supporting it via Patreon at patreon.com benjaminbennett. Patreon is currently the only form of income that I receive for walking and talking, and I would prefer to keep the show free from any ads or sponsorship. I'm hoping to increase the frequency and intensity of these episodes, as well as start an additional series, and it's becoming clear to me that I'll need to start at least offsetting some of my expenses in order to do so. I have always lived with as few expenses as possible for both practical and ethical reasons. For almost two decades, I have dumpster-dived a significant portion of my food and other commodities because of how much I dislike waste. This is all just to say that any small amount you donate will go a very long way in making this work increasingly possible because I won't blow your money on beer and overpriced avocado toast. If you're on the fence about donating and have any questions about my financial situation, or anything else for that matter, just shoot me an email at sittingandsmiling, all one word, at gmail.com. Once again, that's sittingandsmiling at gmail.com. I aim for transparency. Once more, the URL is patreon.com slash benjaminbennett, and you can also find that link in the show notes. Now, with my deepest gratitude, regardless of what you decide— On to the show. Hello, my internet friends. Welcome to Walking and Talking, the show where I walk and talk. Let me just wipe you off real quick. Right now, I'm projecting a positive, confident, articulate, not articulate, but well-enunciated Image Here I am. It's me Your internet friend Here to accompany you through four hours Of life. I mean, imagine it. Four hours where both of us will continuously have blood pumping through our veins, coursing through our veins even and we'll have like we'll have thousands of heart palpitations we'll take i don't know how many breaths probably thousands of breaths and who knows how many synaptic firings Probably millions or billions or something like that All of things all of these things and more Will be occurring in concert with each other in consort With each other in order to Maintain the precarious continuity of our corporal being Or is it corporeal? Um, and not only will we stay alive most likely most of us um, You will be able to understand what I'm saying. For the most part. I think. Through this media... I'll be saying things, and you'll be able to understand what I'm saying. It's amazing. Excuse me. I just have to uh, pick my nose. happening already here we are living even that even that is is quite astounding think of how much time there was before you were born and how much time there will be after you were born after you die rather Compared to how much time exists in between your birth and your death It's it's an infinitesimally small amount of time But just by happenstance Here we are occupying that same infinitesimally small amount of time Both happening to be alive And able to communicate What should we do with this? this this impossibly rare life that we have well I know what I'm doing Do you ever get frustrated when you're walking, and somebody else is walking at the exact same pace as you, and so you can't get away from them? And so you speed up or slow down? But well then, you know, why, why is it, if it's so exceedingly rare to be alive, it's, you know, so incredibly unlikely, then why is it that we're here living and, and perceiving things and moving through our life? if it's, if it's so wildly improbable, you know, like, there's, it's gotta be on a scale of many billion, it's like one, you know, the ratio of our lifetime to the span of time, um, assuming the Big Bang Theory is true and, uh, that at some time we have the big crunch, um, either that or the the uh, like stasis heat death of the universe. Either way, I think time effectively ends at some point. But the ratio something would be like something like one to many billions at least. if not trillions. So why why is it that why is it that I'm alive now and you're alive now and we're not either not born yet or already dead? I don't understand it. I mean, it it has to have something to do with that, otherwise we wouldn't be able to perceive, we wouldn't be able to know, we wouldn't be able to identify ourselves, we wouldn't have the consciousness, we wouldn't have this specific consciousness to say, I'm alive, this is my life. But still, it does really seem like time is passing, you know? Like we can remember the past. Right? And I know that I'm so many years old. I'm 34 years old. I've lived that many years, which is a lot of days, and I keep growing older and passing forward through time until I'll inevitably die, right? So, if it's like... If... I'm confused. Like it definitely seems like my life is passing by, like I'm moving through my life from birth to death. There's a linear feeling of time going on. If it is our specific consciousness is that are, are somehow tying us tying us to this present experience of being alive of perceiving then, then why is it that we would still feel this passage of time? I don't know if I, I, I'm not quite able to articulate this right. But, you know, it's, it's, it's... incredibly unlikely that this experience of all of us Being alive, right at this moment, is pure, uh, luck, you know, I can't be attributed just to pure probability that, that none of us, none of us happen to be not born yet or already dead. is it and so yeah of course if we weren't born yet or if we were already dead we wouldn't be here to observe our non-existence so in that sense Ew, I'm looking at a bunch of dead worms, like, floating around in that water. They're, actually, they're, like, stuck to the bottom. Just a pile of dead worms. They're, they're no longer around to observe their own sentience. If, if sentience is an appropriate word for an earthworm I'm not sure, maybe not So in the sense that before birth and after death we're not around to to talk about our own existence or to to observe it, to experience it to witness ourselves or anything else for that matter Excuse me. Then in effect, in effect, it's as if like, it's as if there's something eternal about this life, you know what I'm saying? There's something, it's as if there must be something eternal about this consciousness that we are occupying now like it's now it's it's as if you know logically in the linear sense of time it only happens to be right now but in in light of the fact that That There's no there there wouldn't be a consciousness outside of it or at least there wouldn't be this consciousness outside of it It's like there is actually something eternal about now About our consciousness about being alive Does this make any sense to you? It only barely makes sense to me. I can barely even wrap my head around this. I'm trying. And... So think about... Think about also... Not only... How improbable it is that you and I are alive at the same time. How improbable, I mean, assuming you're not uh, watching this, like, at some point after I've died, which is possible, Um, but regardless of that, how improbable is it that, that you're hearing this right now that we are having this conversation not conversation monologue whatever that this communication is happening how improbable is it that you're he- that you're you're doing this right now that you're having this experience exactly i guess uh In some ways it's just not, in some ways it's completely mundane because everything is equally improbable. And we just don't think about it. It's only, only the fact that I am calling to attention the improbability of this particular instance that that we should even think to consider it. It's like, yeah, this I, this is nearly this is kind of like stumping me almost. It's it's uh, it's hard to talk about. It's making me it's making me want to stop talking. It's actually making me want to stop thinking. I just feel a little bit stuck on, like, why this experience right now? Out of all the possible configurations of the universe. Why this one? And it sounds kind of... It sounds kind of dumb because Of course, why not? Why not? Maybe it is the case that um, our self-perceived specialness uniqueness is actually a result of our perspective that is you know we are humans and we can observe something very unique about that in so so, for instance the human brain I said this before, I believe, is the most complex piece of matter that we know of in the universe. And so that is, that's like, outstandingly unique. And and we, we say that we humans are the most intelligent beings That we are aware of in the universe and and that's also ex- exceedingly rare, you know Why would that just happen to be the case out of luck? All these all these things would be Just too improbable to attribute to just luck, right? But perhaps it is the nature of our intelligence, the specific, it, it, the specific um, quality of our perception and our intelligence that causes us to, to see ourselves as the most intelligent. Like, it, like it's a specific configuration of, of brain that is actually <clears throat> able to perceive itself. Or, or mind, maybe I should say. Because the brain, brain can't actually perceive itself. The brain as a piece of matter. You can never actually see your own brain, or or even sense it really. Only you can sense what comes into your sensory organs and you can experience thought, you can experience mind. But you can't actually experience the physical matter of your own brain, you just kind of know that it's up there in your skull due to inference you know having seen medical textbook pictures since you were young it could be a grand conspiracy that we have a brain at all it's like the flat earth theory maybe maybe actually there's just this uh, huge conspiracy out there just to convince you that you have a brain inside your skull and actually you have like actually there's just like i don't know a bunch of rubber in there or something or a black hole I mean, so I say, uh, I say that the brain is the most complex piece of matter that we know of. So how do we, how do we gauge complexity? You know? Um, complexity would, would have to do with perceiving patterns uh, repetition and difference, and perhaps it is the case that uh, that that is that is actually a a construction of. Of our mind, that is com- complexity itself, is is maybe um, an artifact of our own perception and comprehension. Like for example, it might um, be dependent on the scale that we can perceive. For instance, maybe if you could, maybe if you're looking at some piece of man, matter that appears homogeneous. Like, uh, let's say, let's say like a piece of granite from afar. Let's say you're looking at a piece of granite from afar. Just a huge rock. And it doesn't look that complex. It's just a, it's just a rock. It's just like one thing that you can kind of, um... You can easily wrap your head around and kind of surmise in your perception of it then if you get really close to it and look at the fine grain detail there's lots of complexity in the granite it's like an amalgamation of all these different um minerals and swirls of different minerals and uh lots of crystalline structures in it uh and and if you at at the right scale it's enormously complex and Would would contain enormous amounts of information you could say Or it would it would it would require it would require enormous amounts of information to describe it at a certain scale But then let's say if you if you zoom in even further to the point where you're just like seeing a few molecules then at that point it becomes very simple again you just have some molecules and like they they could be described in very simple terms So it seems that it seems to me that complexity itself is not a objective or inherent um, quality in terms of. Uh, like like scientific materialism or physical physical materialism that is without the observer um, complexity has no meaning there is no complexity without the mind to to perceive it complexity And therefore complexity is really a function of perception and comprehension And in that sense it is like a mirror of our mind And when you think about it that way It's not so surprising that in our measure of complexity it's the own human brain that comes out as the most complex of of material objects and also Perhaps not surprising if if to say that if we were to to Judge what is the most complex? form of consciousness that we are aware of It would it we it would again be the human mind It would be the human experience the human experience as far as we are aware of is more complex than um, than any other than the experience of any other life form that we are aware of and sure i'm, I'm sure that like like uh, dogs and other animals also have very complex experiences but It can, you you can kind of demonstrate that the human experience has additional layers of complexity on top of that of of other animals and other life forms. Just in, in terms of like we have both, we have like sensation perception conception and, and all these very abstract thoughts um, that that other animals lack. and And so again, I'm saying that, I'm saying that um, this, this this is actually less anthropocentric than it sounds In fact, it's it's quite the opposite In that, in a way I am describing that That our, our conception our, our, even our perception of the entire world is is almost um necessarily anthropocentric it is centered around our own experience necessarily in that in that what we can perceive is is kind of a mirror of of our capability of perception in the first place. I'm not sure if this battery is going to last. It's like starting to lose its ability to hold a charge. Not very well made if you ask me. Um, But I'm, I'm feeling interested in what I'm saying so far so it's like If the battery runs out in this episode, I might have to post it anyways, even though it's might be short Um, But anyhow This is this is kind of like I guess guess I'm starting to get at why it is that it seems like we are so rare as humans and why our experience seems so rare and so unique in all the universe And then, like, beyond that, maybe we can start to get to, like, more of the individual level and more of the immediate experience level, like, why, why specifically am I me? Why are you specifically you? And why are we experiencing specifically this moment as opposed to some other moment that has has existed in the past or will exist in the future? I wanted to continue a little bit about This um, Anthropocentrism and why And and I mean I mean this in in a deeper sense than than the just like typical sense that like of like humans thinking they're more important than animals or humans thinking they're more important than other life forms or something. I mean this in actually a much more fundamental sense of like of like Why Why does the human experience why why is the human experience paramount in our experience and in in some ways, this is kind of a tautology in that um, It's it is Paramount because it is our experience It's like saying like It's kind of like saying like you're here because you're here or You're you because you're you It's it's actually similar to saying that Why do I happen to be alive right now because if I weren't born and if I or if I were already dead then I wouldn't be here to uh, Say that I'm not alive and so it's similar to being like Why do we have this human experience and not the trees experience? Because if we had the trees experience we would have the trees experience and I can I can be pretty sure that Whatever the experience of a tree might be, uh, if it ha- if it has something that of an experience at all, which I I personally believe, like that, you know, there that there, there's in some ways a kind of hierarchy, not a value hierarchy, but a hierarchy between what we can. Call an experience and what we can call an call not experience or a hierarchy between like complexity of consciousness now granted There's that dude granted um, I'm still relying on On my own, you know self-centric Conception of what complexity of consciousness is, you know, I can only base that upon my own experience of consciousness I can only use my own consciousness and my own experience to even conceptualize of such things as other consciousnesses or other experiences so granted that there I do believe that there's a hierarchy of complexity of consciousness that you know that, that we are at the top of as far as we know and then like Then then there are all these other slightly, you know, animals with less complex brains. You got dolphins, you got other primates, you got uh, other mammals like dogs and cats. And it gets simpler and simpler and you get down to reptiles and then uh, invertebrates. And then, you, you know, you have something very small like a mosquito or even a single celled organism. And so what what that organism would be capable of, in terms of an experience would be much less complex. And then at some point, there's this question of there, there is this like fuzzy line between whether something is alive or not. You know, you have, like, viruses, there are certain viruses that seem like they are borderline, it's kind of borderline whether they're actually alive or if they're just inanimate molecules. And then you have plainly inanimate matter like rocks and so forth. and so let's see i was i was getting something about getting at something about like you know why do I have this experience and not the tree's experience? And so, so let me let, let, let like if we try to imagine the experience of say a tree, we of course have to admit that it's like uh, vastly different from our own and. I mean, so much so that we can't really comprehend it and but we we can assume that the experience of a tree you know, would not have anything resembling the same like uh, value system that we have or or, you know, it wouldn't even be... I don't think it would be even capable of holding something we would consider value. It, you know, a value, like... A, um... It's questionable whether a tree has... Conception... You know, can, can hold a concept. It's, it's, it seems pretty unlikely they don't have a nervous system. Per se, Um, there. I guess there seems to be some evidence that plants uh, do have some form of perception that we don't understand very well at all, and even there seems to be some like research about them being able to to have. Form memories and, and such and to communicate with each other. But this is all to say that the experience of plants or the consciousness of plants as as far as we know we can only really say that that it's fundamentally and vastly different from the human experience and human consciousness I mean I, I will I, I do actually believe that there is Something fundamental to consciousness that is equal between humans and animals and plants and actually all of matter All of existence But I'll I'll maybe get to that later But for now we're saying that plant experience is fundamentally different from our own and It's it probably is nothing like the way that we perceive a plant (laughs) Even if a plant does have its own forms of perception I would have to imagine that that perception is something Entirely different from our perception of plants So, as humans, very many of us have a uh, concern for other life forms. Although I would say that we still have concern for other humans first and foremost, it's exceedingly rare that that people genuinely place the welfare of other animals and beings and and life forms above the welfare of humans. I mean there may be a few cases but it's exceedingly rare. You know, we, many of us have some concern about the the biosphere as a whole. And... For many of us that might be linked to our concern for the human species you know, like, maintaining the biosphere may be for many of us important primarily because it sustains humans and if we threaten the stability of the biosphere then we threaten the stability of ourselves I I would say that that is probably the main motivating factor and also for many people they may be concerned about the biosphere for its own sake as well trying to extend to it a certain uh, innate value apart from this the, uh, the service of humans. but when it comes down to it, given the choice between like killing a person and chopping down a tree, it's clear what almost any of us would choose. And maybe it depends on your relationship to that particular human. Maybe if it was an evil human, you would say, kill that evil human and save the tree. But evil implies that that person is is, uh, malevolent or dangerous to other humans, and so you're still, in that case, valuing human life on the whole. Another little uh, tangent that I wanted to go on Which is throughout human history We have uh, it, was, it was about this anthropocentrism throughout human history we we have maintained this and You know it's it makes sense You know it's only in recent history that our knowledge of astronomy has gotten so vast and that we're actually able to to get somewhat of a grip on how big the universe is and how old it is and in times past we had a different worldview. You know, we thought that the planet Earth was the center of the universe around which everything revolves, which like of course why like of course you would think that. Like you just you look up in the sky and you see everything You see the stars turning around you so like why would you not think that that the world is the center of the universe and like it's 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 this it's the base of your perception it's like the place that you're looking from you know Like like uh, it's like like being a person like uh, Here I am as a, I, like, you know, I'm looking out of here this body like If I didn't know any better like I mean like th- this is essentially the center of my experience and like you your body is like the center of your experience So it's like um it's like it's like wherever experience exists it is it is centered there So like you have like another animal like a wolf like a wolf cares about itself first then it cares about its family it doesn't really care about, you know, it's prey. It doesn't really care about humans. Well, I guess until it got domesticated. It's just it's so it's like all experience is centered in itself. And you know we had. Um... That's why we we have these these like, kind of widening circles of affinity, you know. Like, as a person, you you're gonna take care of your own needs first, and then, uh, and then like maybe your immediate family and then maybe your extended family and then if your extended family seems to be doing alright then maybe you care about your neighbors and your neighborhood and uh, and like historically we have had these like um, tribal and ethnic groups that um, are tightly tightly bound in in uh in this affinity group and and you know we'll fierce we we'll we'll fight against another ethnic group or tribe in its its own self-interest and we still have some of that going on today with racism and so on um and in a way that's a, that's a similar that that's another effect of you know like of the the limitation of our consciousness being being centered where it is Uh, as evolution goes forward and I don't just mean biological evolution but also a cultural evolution and this widening the widening circle of affinity can extend to you know the whole human race hopefully and then the whole biosphere and then maybe to all of matter so i mean it's it's really interesting to talk about me as a human being, having the consciousness of a human being centered here in my body, because my body is actually incredibly complex, and it's an incredibly complex arrangement of all these cells and organisms that previously, in evolutionary history, were were just like autonomous little things. You know, life started off with single-celled organisms. And that was, the, that was the height of consciousness. You know, that was the most complex arrangement of matter and the most complex experience. At least, you know, from our current perspective. From our current perspective of that time period in the past. So, you, you know, you had these individual cells essentially competing against each other. The way that individual humans compete against each other. And then at some point they joined, the, you know, cells started cooperating, joining together and you know, physically joining together and then you have this multicellular organism and like so it's like whatever remnants of consciousness existed in those individual cells merged it merged into a singular consciousness of a multicellular organism which became increasingly complex and its consciousness became increasingly complex And now we have humans to some extent competing against each other with their, with our um, individual consciousnesses, but in other ways cooperating with each other and communicating very closely in these very complex um, social and economic networks. Which can be viewed as the beginnings of a superorganism. And with the inter- internet being maybe the most sophisticated example of the network between humans, the, the interlinkage that would fuse our consciousness, our individual consciousnesses together. into a superorganism that is no longer a bunch of parts competing against each other but this grand consciousness that that uh, is you know is, is kind of like centered in the whole human world and that that would imply that would imply you know hopefully the, the end of uh, this like tribalism ethnic uh, conflict uh, racism and bigotry etc It almost seems like that could be a whole episode. I feel like I could stop there. Or I could go on forever. I feel like that would be a pretty decent hour. I guess all that I guess all of that kind of sprang from this question of like why am I here now And why are you here now and it's 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 kind of like um like we are here now as as who we are due to Due to the ability of our consciousnesses to perceive, to perceive reality, uh, it's it's as if. It's, it's, I, I almost feel like the, the form in which we exist is kind of like dependent on this, the scope of our consciousnesses to, like, to per, to perceive and to I- identify. I mean, right, like, if I, like, say, say I was, like, a less sophisticated and worldly gentleman, and, and, and I just, like, didn't understand much about the rest of the world, I'd never been very far. It's like my worldview would be more limited... I mean, I wouldn't perceive it as being limited, necessarily. But like... It's like whatever I knew... I could only see myself in context in relation to what I knew. And what I knew would be the only thing that I could ponder about how and why it came into existence and so you know like um, animistic worldviews, i would make a lot of sense if you if you um, haven't been exposed to anything else the animistic worldview being like worldviews in which we can change reality by our own thinking by magic essentially where like it's almost as if, like, I as an individual uh gaining a certain kind of power or, like, like being, being in a way, a center of the world in that I would believe that I would have the power to change reality by my thoughts and then And then, you know, to have, like, have, like, the, uh, a mythic worldview where you you imagine a, um, a a human-like god, or group of gods, that are omnipotent and control everything. It's like that, that's, again... That's again sort of um a worldview that is a reflection of our own consciousness and experience like like of of course we would think that that the omnipotent power was like ourselves because because of this this experience is like is what we have to perceive the world and it's the most complex thing we know it's like yeah our experience is the most complex thing that we know because it's our it's our whole mode of knowing And now I would I would venture to say that the newer like scientific rational worldview is again a reflection of our experience, a reflection of the human experience. And that I, I actually think that. Um, our, our conception of the laws of physics, and so forth, are reflections are re- reflections of the structure of human experience. And uh, let me let me see if I can try to back that up a little bit. But like, for example what I was talking about earlier about complexity and why is it that we perceive the human brain as being um, the most complex piece of matter or in existence and What follows from that is that the notion of complexity while at first? might be you might think it to be an objective measurable attribute of physical matter is actually dependent on perception and um, specifically human perception that is like complexity in the the terms that we humans have defined it and And I also think that 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 would apply to all the other laws of nature that we have described through science, that they are all um, reflective of human consciousness, in that in that um in that in that our perception is actually an a a uh, integral part of the existence existence of any of those laws of nature and that come that becomes kind of clearly true in quantum physics like we broke things down so far where uh we got to this conundrum where observation seemed to actually determine the the existence of a particle or the location of a particle It's like at the, at, it's like at the core of all existence. Um, it's, it's like, even, even, you know, even in quantum physics consciousness is creating the material world. Oh man, I'm afraid my battery is going to run out. This hunk of junk... ...from Best Buy. Don't... Don't buy this Insignia brand external battery pack from Best Buy. I'm going to try to return this thing. Because I've only had it a few months. I've only had it like since May. I've only filmed a few episodes with it. What gives? Maybe I have maybe I have to post a short episode. Would that be kind of a bummer? Does it break my rules? Ah, oh, feel so bad about it. I'm gonna feel so bad if I could post a short episode. But I like the content. It'll be it'll be a good episode, despite its shortness. It's like not in, not not really endurance based, but um, I feel like it explains some stuff. But like this this um, you know this notion of quantum physics of of um, of consciousness actually determining the physical world um, isn't something that's unique to western science even oh big fly Um, even even well before the advent of that uh there were mystics saying the same thing. Like read uh, Ramana Maharshi. He's not even the oldest, you know. There's once far below, far before him. So we've come a long way from starting off asking this question of why why is it the case that you and I happen to be alive right now? And then we can also ask like, okay, why why am I experiencing this moment exactly right now? out of all the possible moments i could experience and it's on one hand a silly question to ask because it's like why not all the moments are equally improbable um And so, like, what is, what is the, the uh, specific nature of this moment exactly? Well, one thing really interesting about the quality of this moment is, is actually the fact that we are asking about the quality of this moment. The fact that we are asking why this specific moment, in this moment. It's a reflexive kind of moment. It's like a moment that's looking at itself. And something about that, for me, makes this moment feel special. This moment feels unique to me. It feels, somehow, expansive, exalted. Something eternal about it, even. But why this moment, exactly? because this is the moment in which we perceive. This is the moment that we perceive the moment. It's the moment that we perceive our own perception. All those other moments in our life, we're worrying about other shit. We're worrying about, worrying about love, Worrying about money. Worrying about lunch. Stressing out about work. Watching a movie. driving our car, whatever. But this is the moment where we actually really inquire deeply into the nature of this moment and we try to perceive our perception, you know, we we ask ourselves about our perception, we ask ourselves about the nature of our consciousness and that's why that's why it feels special and and that's that's why it feels like um, unique and improbable right now. And the thing about this moment is, when you have it, it doesn't really matter uh, how long it took to get here. I think maybe maybe it was uh, Jonathan Richmond or somebody that songwriter. I think he said in a song that once you find love it doesn't matter how long it took you to find it or it doesn't matter that it took so long to find it and that's what I would say about happiness. I would say that about... Enlightenment... Uh, And just, we can, we can, we can, like... We can even, like, skip that term... uh, And just say... Like forget it forget about enlightenment and just say like Like understanding the like understanding of like what time and experience and consciousness is When you're having that and you you know, you're gonna have that to varying degrees and in various ways and for various durations or whatever when you have it it doesn't matter how long it took you to get there that's like that's that's like being alive right now you and I are alive and it doesn't matter how much time there was before we were alive and it doesn't matter how much time exists after we die that's you know that's the answer like this question of like we're alive now for this fleetingly short moment in comparison to the vast expanse of time before we were born and the vast expanse of time after we're dead and why is it we're alive now? Well, it doesn't matter how much time existed before we were born, and it doesn't matter how much time exists after we die in terms of like it it, it doesn't matter as far as uh, life is concerned as far as this experience of being alive is concerned. Because in in a like in a in a in a vacuum of consciousness whatever consciousness exists in a sense expands to fill all of existence. Like we can say that there we can say on one hand that there is existence outside of our experience but on the other hand that that in its in its you know escape beyond our experience it's like our experience expands to fill all of what is And you hear me saying this, but like, you know, ask this of yourself, ask this of your experience. Like, what exists outside of your experience, spatially, temporally? You can think of things, of course, we can conceive of the past and the future, and we can conceive of space outside of what we can immediately sense, and yes it does tend our 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 mental models will tend to often correspond to our you know when we move to another place and we have a memory of that place it will probably line up more or less but what exists outside of your experience of right here and now, you know? You can be somewhere else later. You were somewhere else before, but you are here now. You're not those other places. And so it's like, those things exist. You know, that the... the the time and space outside of your experience exists like like to the extent that um like to the extent that the world exists without consciousness and that's like that's like actually like not at all You know, without, without the observation of the particle, it's, it's like, it has, it's just an indefinite, you know, it doesn't, it lacks substance, it lacks, it lacks actual materiality. And so, like, I can conceive of the past before I was born in terms of history and in terms of, you know, hearing what older people tell me about the past before I was born. And so, as, as far as my, as far as my experience is concerned, the past can exist in that type of mental model, the, the history within my experience. I mean, this is starting to sound a little bit like solipsism, but it's, it's not, it's not like It's like a universal sort of solipsism, where the the where the the you know the center of consciousness is not like one is not like one person and everything else that exists is is uh, imaginary, but the center of consciousness is is everywhere. Everywhere consciousness is dreaming up itself. And every, every point of consciousness is, is kind of mirroring reality based on itself. The paramecium experience, you know, the, the paramecium creates reality in paramecium terms, the tree creates reality in tree terms and human creates reality in human terms. I like the rock creates reality in rock terms and some interconnected global organism which we are only beginning to be able to perceive dreams up reality on its terms I think this video is, is is I'm hoping a start to that a, a a contribution It's a type of communication that has the potential to To, f- to fuse consciousnesses to some degree. I mean at least in terms of these thoughts like it's it is fusing our thoughts the the just the, the act of you hearing this and listening to it and, and understanding. at least I hope you understand at least a little bit. I'd love to hear from you if you understand this at least a little bit. I would love it if you left a comment indicating the degree to which you feel like you understand what I'm saying. again feel like this could be enough already like uh, like I could end this video I feel now like just kind of given a little space